What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we always do. How you doing, Rich? Um Yeah. <laughs> um I I'm struggling. Uh I think the Kings We said it. We said it last episode. Th- this game, like, honest to goodness, was a must-win game. Like you you know what I'm talking about. Um, they've got the worst record in the league. They are playing like the worst team in basketball in a lot of ways. Um, and a lot of metrics will point to them as the worst team in the league. And yeah, I mean, they just lost at home uh, with a day's rest to the team that was projected to be the worst in the league uh, pretty universally in the Charlotte Hornets. Um, they lost that game 118 to 111 and the home crowd, first of all, it was really empty in the golden one center and the fans that were there were very displeased and booing loudly throughout a lot of the game. Um, also, also there were like a couple of fights that broke out in the, um, upper, oh man, upper deck of the arena. <laughs> Um, it, it's, it's pretty grim right now. Was like someone in a Charlotte Jersey or just, I don't know. Uh, I did not see the fights break out firsthand. Someone that I know that is a reliable member of the news media, um, pointed one out to me, but I, I, I don't, I, <laughs> this, I mean, there's a chance it could have been King on King yeah. violence, at, but yeah, I mean, sure. I could also see it being a Charlotte thing, but. I didn't see personally. I didn't see any Charlotte jerseys in the house. So, uh. yeah. Um, so, I guess starting with the first half, which was passable, um, like most of the games have been, they seemed to go into the half pretty close to even. Um, even like Denver, they were pretty close to that mark, but you don't expect them to be quite even with the Charlotte team. And um, they played. They played. Decently to start, uh, they still weren't hitting shots great. You know, Buddy Heald was two of seven from three, three of ten from the field. Um, I did like his defense though, and I thought that he ran a pick and roll a little bit better. I liked his playmaking. Fox was turning the ball over a lot. Um, did come away with six assists in that first half though. So yeah, I mean, the first half felt passable in a way. Um, aside from at least on the offensive end, like defensively, I don't think you should be giving up 60 plus points and a half to the Hornets, especially when a lot of it's like PJ Washington 
getting wide open dunks and being able to body people down low. Like it, but the first half, I guess, was somewhat of a bright spot in this game in comparison to the second. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, the first half was better than the second half for the Kings, but it was really the Charlotte Hornets, like their own doing. They turned the ball over eight times in the first quarter, the Hornets did, and then had another turnover like right to start the second quarter. So the Kings were up for a lot of that time, but it felt tenuous. Um, they got out to a 12-point lead, the Kings did, in the first, near the end of the first there. But it didn't feel real because it was kind of unforced errors from the Hornets. And, you know, and some of those turnovers were nice defensive plays, like nice, uh, like a lot of interception type stuff going on, getting in passing lanes and um, disrupting, uh, you know, deflecting, you know, deflecting and disrupting passing lanes. So, you know, that that was going pretty well. And yeah, even into the second quarter, there's an 11 point lead, 12 point lead. Um, I think they got up to 14 at one point, but yeah. I, I guess we should also mention that Rashawn Holmes started this game. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, but yeah, the, the first half, it, it was one of those things where like Sacramento wasn't playing great, but the Hornets were not playing well at all. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying, but yeah, I, I think that is, that's a fine place to start. Um, the people wanted the people's champion. Rashawn Holmes to be in the starting lineup and they got what they wanted. Um, what did you think about Rashawn Holmes' performance? Um, it was more of what you have grown to expect from him. Um, there was a lot of hustle and hard rolls to the basket that created a good amount of offense for himself and others. Um, he is efficient and his touch around the rim is still on fire. Um, I didn't watch enough of him in Phoenix to know if this is just a normal thing or he's hot right now, a combination of both. Um, I thought at times on the defensive end, he could have positioned himself better. He did get a little bit of trial foul trouble again to start. Um, but overall, I mean, he was, he was the hardest playing King out there. And I liked a little bit of what I saw from Harrison Barnes as well. Yeah. I think belly, um, plays hard he's not like he's not the kind of guy that's gonna jump off the court or jump off the screen when you're watching it looks different it looks different because he's not he doesn't have the physical tools to look like he's playing super duper hard but he is you know and he's playing smart too um five for six on the night for him uh i would like to see more threes for him but i mean listen every single king was getting a ton of threes uh, but he shot 16 threes. Is that correct? My goodness, that's a ton of threes. Yeah, um, the team ended with 46 in total. Um, but what was weird early on, it seemed like in this, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine that this was the plan, but maybe it was. The Hornets were just giving up threes. Like, did you notice really early on that Harrison Barnes had like four consecutive open, like super open looks from the corner? He did, and I think that you know the Kings have been a decent three-point shooting team, and that's kind of been one of the somewhat strengths of this team, aside from Buddy and Bogey, which is a bit ironic since those are probably the two best shooters on the team, um, and, and then also throwing Belly in there as well. But 
the Hornets were a terrible rim protecting team going into this and they still are. Um, so it felt like almost they were trying to prevent Sacramento from getting to the basket and daring them to shoot. And uh, yeah, that, that almost it worked out for them in a way. <laughs> it does seem like that's what happened. Um, it's a weird, it, it's hard to be sure that that's anyone's plan in the modern NBA, but at the same time, like, yeah, that, that may have been the plan. Charlotte may have identified that Sacramento was down Marvin Bagley, their most talented interior scorer, and just figured, hey, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna we're gonna wall off the paint and let him shoot it and then run back their any misses, right? So Yeah, they I, ran. Yeah, because that's what that's what really stood out to me. You mentioned PJ Washington. I mean, he said it. In the post game, he oh. said, "Like we knew, we knew this team couldn't run with us." Which is so frustrating. Like, are you serious? That was the most frustrating quote to hear all night. Incredible, right? Yeah, that was. Oh God. The oh, Kings God. are now down to twenty third in pace on the season. I mean, what do you? I mean, what are your thoughts about this There's, continuing issue with the the pace of play? I like. I I, I don't know. It, it's it's baffling. It makes no sense. Like first of all, you have to get stops, um, and that obviously is going to boost your defense. And the Kings have been a horrific defensive team, obviously. Um, but we've mentioned it before that they were running off made baskets last year and that's not happening. It doesn't seem to be emphasized in the same way. And when you're struggling like this, like you kind of need to fall back into what the team is comfortable with. And there's a good amount of guys that are returning to this team that were comfortable playing a very high paced offense. Um, So I do think they need to fall back to that a little bit more here. Um, It's just, I mean, at this point, I have no clue what is going to happen because it's the same thing every single time. Sure, there's less turnovers, but it's, I mean, it's easy to get less than 27. Um, yeah. It, it's, I have no clue what what to expect anymore because it's like, you know, you got punched in the mouth, you should come back and show some fight. And at this point, it's like, okay, are they ever going to do that? I mean, are the, are the Kings ever going to win a game, ever? This is – I'm serious. Like, I mean, I'm not, that, I'm not real serious. Like, they're not going to go 0-82. But this was the easiest game on their entire schedule for the year. And I do not mean that, like, with yeah. any irony. No, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if not, if not now, then when? Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. At the end of the game, like it, we'll, we'll touch on the third and, and a little bit of the fourth, but just like an example of, you know, the last minute and a half, they finally started picking up full court. 
and putting some defensive pressure. And I think they got three turnovers in a really quick span and started to close the gap. And it's like the Charlotte Hornets were up 14 points with about five minutes left, and they start picking up full court before the Kings do? Like, what is that? Where is the want? Yeah, it's really frustrating, and it's 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 scary because, I mean, the body language, again, did not look good to me. Even when the Kings were up, and they were up, you know, 11, 12, 14 point margin there, they didn't seem like fired up. They didn't seem like, all right, time to put our, our you know, our heel on the throat of this team and secure this win. Um, it seemed like a lot of lackadaisical play and just every time something would go wrong, they would get really frustrated. Um, it's in their body language and you see it, you see it in the locker room. You see it in the post game. Like this team is bummed out. I mean, you know, to be fair, I, I didn't see them at halftime, of course. So maybe they were more in it at that point, but and it's not, you know, I guess at the end of a loss like that, you can't expect them to be super fired up, but you know, this team is, is really rough. There's a lot of quotes out there that explain um, how frustrated this team is with itself from everything that I've gathered, from everything I've heard, everything that I've seen, the team, the players are blaming themselves. Um, And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. It's probably better that they not at least outwardly blame the organization or the coaches or anything like that. Pretty much every player said something to the effect of like, we, you know, we understand why the crowd was booing. Um, And I think there was uh, one or two players that were just like, yeah, um, you probably should boo us right now. Like we're not playing well. Yeah. I think buddy was one of those and to kind of address the whole players versus uh, organization slash slash coaching, you know, Walton's getting a whole lot of slack or or a whole lot of crap right now. Um, And somewhat deservedly, but like, this also a lot of it has to go on the players. I, I think that it can't all go on Walton. Yes, Jaeger had them playing harder, but you really like Christy said it in the broadcast, you should not have to coach effort. Like, you know, this team Walton was brought in to be a player friendly coach, but this team needs nothing close to a friend right now. They need someone to chew them out and tell them that they are playing like they want to lose basketball games. Well, isn't, I mean, you just said that, isn't that kind of on the coach? If you're saying that Walton was brought in to be like their buddy um, and he's not doing that, I mean, you know, that's all he's doing. He's not, he's not firing these guys up. Isn't, doesn't that kind of fall to, to Walton? Shouldn't he be on the sidelines screaming at these guys? He should, but I also think that, players could step up and do that as well. So I do think that Walton uh, is partially at fault for that, but I don't think it fully falls to him. I think Fox could be the guy doing it too, or any, or a Corey Joseph, even though Joseph is a little bit newer. Like I, I think it could be a player doing that as well. I feel like I've seen Corey Joseph yell at some guys already. Uh, I have too. It, it definitely on the court. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we can't know what goes on behind closed doors, but, you know, the way I feel about this is that 
everyone has got to share a little bit of the blame. Um, we've talked about Rashawn Holmes as one of the bright spots. And, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to be like, hey, you know, he sucks too because um, I do think that he's playing pretty well. You know, he hit his first five shots. He ended with 17 and nine. But, yeah, I mean, even with him, there's an issue because – we've identified his defensive rebounding as, you know, not one of his strengths. It's, it's one of his weaknesses, even, I don't know, even with all the energy he brings, he still only ended up with five defensive rebounds in 35 minutes. So, you know, that's not ideal. Um, I just don't know what they're going to do. It's, you know, really interesting that Devin didn't play at all in the first half and only played four minutes in total. Yeah, it is, especially when things started going downhill. It's like, uh, I think you need to try to switch things up and try to throw someone out there that's giving you some effort. And I know Deadman hasn't done that uh, much as a king so far, but it was something they needed to try. And even though he's been playing rough, uh, I still think he deserves to get some minutes because at some point he has to come out of this funk. This is not the player that Dwayne Deadman is. Um and I understand Holmes starting, but it definitely should not have been to this extreme. And I'm at the point where if you see some guys not hustling, I say Walton throws Winyan Gabriel, Yogi Farrell in there, and some of these real backup guys, if they're the ones that are going to play hard, then throw those guys in there and show the starters, hey, if you're not playing hard, you're not going to play. Hey, it's, it's Swanigan season as far as I'm concerned. No, yeah, but he, I mean, we did see Winyan Gabriel get minutes in the first half. So, I mean, I guess that's – all right, so let's, let's get down to it because something's got to change. I mean, something's got to change. And I guess there are s- certain people that think that the change will come on its own. There is some reasonability to that, to, to think that this team just, like, cannot be playing this badly. Like, there will be regression to the mean – like they just won't be this bad forever. They will win games just on law of large numbers. They'll have a better performance. The shots will start falling. You know, are you in that camp or just, Hey, let's just ride it out. Or what, what is the solution? Do you um, change up the starting lineup? Do you change up the bench lineup? Like if you, if you could just, if, if, if Vlade Divac called you, and you can make one change to this team, one one move here. What are you doing? I don't know if there's like a roster change that does it for me. Like they just need someone to step up as a leader and get on their asses and tell them to hustle and not jog through their sets and pressure on defense. Like when they do that, they can be a fine team. They have the talent. So, you know, maybe if, I think that Corey Joseph getting more minutes would be beneficiary because he is a very hard playing guy. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see a clear roster rotation that does it. I just, think uh, I, that- I don't mean just rotation. I mean, I mean, one thing you can change about this team, you, it can be that the team must sprint down the court every time. That's, that's probably what it is, is that, yeah, they need to, if it's one thing, yeah, I'll, I want them running down the court the same pace as last year because that's going to simplify this for them, and we know it's something that should work with De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald on your team and Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, I think that's fair. I would like to see that lineup 
that was out there last night, Fox, Heald, Barnes, Bielitsa, Holmes, I would like to see that lineup actually run because I think that it is a good – I mean, that like we saw that that's the team that could run last year. Um, I don't think that Rashawn Holmes is significantly less athletic than Willie Colley-Stein. I think that he is more efficient as a role man. I – you know, I think he could finish lobs just as well. You know, he may not be quite as peak athletic as Willie, but he does give you more um, energy, more effort. The blocks, certainly three blocks there last night. He's doing a great job. I think he's at eight blocks on the season already. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that I'm probably with you. Yeah, and I I don't know. I don't know if I, if I can start putting Yogi Ferrell and – I mean, are you going to put Justin James in there? If I see players that are just jogging and looking like they don't care, then I think I'd rather see that because James is going to go in there and try and prove himself and play his ass off. So if it's clear that a guy is not caring when he's out there, which I don't think has quite been the case where it's like guys just are playing – like it's – they're playing mediocre level of energy because sometimes it's there. It's just like, it needs to be turned up like this. They forced turnovers at a great rate last year. And that's how they were able to get out and transition, be a good transition team. And they're able to doing that. They're able of able to cause a little bit of chaos for the other team's offense, but you've got to get into guys faces, get into their shorts to do that. And it's not happening. So it's like, if, if there's not an effort level and it's very clear from someone, then I might try throwing Justin James in there if he's going to display it. It's so tough. It's so tough to do that because we know that Swanigan and Farrell and James and Gabriel aren't where the rest of these guys are at talent-wise. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess you got to send a message. That's definitely what happened with Deadman getting four minutes in the second half, and that's it. I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, how, how, okay. Can we, let's get to the panic meter early. How, how panic off the charts. It's 10, right? Uh, at least. All right. So, and you know, I guess one thing to point out is that this team like Bogdan Bogdanovich and Buddy Heald are getting decent looks and they're not hitting them at a good rate. That is going to get better. Um, but I guess that's, that's really all I got, like in regards to something that might help this team a little bit there, aside from just executing better, playing harder. And like that third quarter, man, and and the fourth, the Hornets are running layup lines on the other end. PJ Washington's going off, um, in the most bizarre fashion. We're just dunk after dunk layups and the Kings are settling for so many threes. So many of those threes came in the second half, and they were not looks that were generated off of penetration and then kicking out um, off of to the guy where the help man was coming from. They were lazy threes because they weren't bothered to generate anything else. Yeah, I, I'm tired of talking about like what's working and not working. Like this isn't fucking rocket science. Like it's the same shit. This team's playing like shit. They're they're playing like garbage and they're not putting in the effort and they're not running and they're not 
doing what they they're not playing i think you said it like several episodes ago go play competent basketball like if you can't be if you can't put in enough effort uh, and enough discipline to play like nba players like what are we even doing and it's really bad i i, I mean i, I don't want to dissect the gameplay any more than that because these guys are playing like garbage and I think that they know it. And I think that everyone listening knows it and they probably don't need to hear more about it. Can, are, are you comfortable with moving on here a little bit to yes. some other news? Yes. So today the Sacramento Kings declined Harry Giles option for his, uh, for next year, for his uh, fourth year. I saw this and, uh, you know, he hasn't played at all this year, and there's still kind of this mystery behind what's going on with him. Um, it makes me think that they have a, a clear little bit less faith than some of the fan base is still holding on to with this. Um, and they just declined the Swanigan option as well, less newsworthy. But uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, how dare you? Um, well, they all, yeah, they also picked up Fox and, and right. Bagley. But I feel like we knew Fox and Bagley would be picked up and Swanigan would be right. Fun. And uh, yeah, so what are your takeaways from that? Um, obviously, I think that Harry Giles is um, an awesome guy and he's a fan favorite. Um, and I really believe in his talent when he's healthy. Um, and I'm sad. I'm sad that he is unlikely to be on the team next year because, you know, I'm not reporting that, but that that's what I personally feel like it means when you decline a rookie scale option on a guy, because if you're willing to, because what they've done is they've, you know, not, you know, in that declining, he, they surrender his restricted free agent rights as well. So he'll be an unrestricted free agent. And in fact, it's in much, in an interesting way, it's, you know, they've, they, they reduce their own rights because the team cannot offer any contract above the option level. So say that Harry Giles has a great year and breaks out. He gets healthy, he gets on the court, and he looks like, um, you know, whatever, a $10 million a year guy. Uh, the Kings cannot offer him the contract over his option, which is a little bit less than $4 million. So three point nine. Seven six million. So that makes me, you know, that bums me out because listen, this is a team that has picked up a lot of bad options. Uh, uh, I I don't understand why you're picking up Scal's option, but not. <laughs> yeah, and we're looking for a guy that plays with some effort and puts his heart out on the floor. I mean, Giles does that even if he's not available all the time. So that I want to. <clears throat> I want to ask you about that. I don't have you heard um, the conversation that James Ham had with Damian Barling on the Hoopball podcast? I have not. In that conversation, James Ham talked about how Harry Giles did not do enough to keep himself in shape over the summer. Um, that's at least what he is saying, and I, I uh, you know, I don't have any real information on that. I'm just echoing that he, that the team felt disappointed in, in his ability to keep up the work he needed to do in order to be healthy to start the season. So 
hey, I don't know. I don't know if that's spin from the team. Um, you know, I do know that the Kings let go of their training staff at the end of last year and brought in a new training staff. Uh, or, I you know, feel like I remember you saying that he looked in really good shape at Summer League, no? He didn't play in Summer League. Um, what am I thinking? Are you just saying like the pictures of him like in the gym that were circulating? I believe so. so. Yeah. I mean, Which I think just, that was the know, hype. I can look good in a picture. I think, yeah, I think that's like, you know, the social media hype, but people see him in the gym and like, oh, Harry's looking big and that's fine. But like, I, I think that this is more in reference to, you know, physical rehabilitation, you know, what is it called? Uh, physical rehab, like right. um, that you do. I, I imagine there's like, Sir, I really, I, I'm speaking out of line, but there are probably certain exercises, not in terms of getting big, but in terms of keeping your knee limber and stretches and all sorts of stuff. I've not, I've been lucky enough to not go through rehab um, in my life like that, but I know it is very serious. Um, and I really, I can't confirm that any of this is true, but this is, uh, this is the word that was put out there. And I don't know. I, I, I mean, you say that he plays with a lot of heart. I have no doubt about that when he's on the floor. Does that change your sentiment at all, though? Um, that definitely goes directly against what I was saying with that. Um, because like you said, we do see it on the floor, but it, there's a lot more to basketball than what we see in the 48 minutes some nights or you know, 36 minutes in the Kings case. Um, yeah, and if he's not able to show that same sort of a uh, dedication off the court. If that is the case, then that, that does change that because that was one of the big things that he brought to this team. I don't want to take that as gospel though, because right. um, you know, Ham is, is repeating what he's heard. And I don't think that, I mean, he, I don't think that's something that he's witnessed firsthand. Um, and who knows who he heard that from, if that was firsthand, who knows if, it is the stance that the team wants to take because of whatever reasons um, in order to defend their new training staff, right. Um, in order to make themselves seem like maybe they didn't waste a first round pick. Um, there's all, there's plenty of kinds of reasons that a team is going to want to spin any information in any direction. I mean, well, specifically the, the direction to make themselves look good. Um, sometimes that comes at the expense of the player. And then, Hey, on the, on the flip side of that, Maybe Harry Giles just did not do what he had to do to stay healthy. I truly don't know. I don't want to continue to speculate on it, but those are the options. And the reality is that to me, um, well, the reality is that they've, they have declined this option that they no longer can sign him to anything above what the option would have been. Generally, when you decline the option of a player, you do not get them back the next year. And, and that is from a mix of either not wanting them back or that they are signed to a different team for, uh, you know, because the, the player didn't want to return or there was a larger offer out there. It's happened before that the player returns. I believe that Kevin Looney is an example. Kevon Looney is an example of that. The Golden State Warriors, Kings are, uh, you know, the Warriors had to turn down a bunch of uh, options due to salary cap stuff and, and have gotten a few of those guys back. But, yeah, I mean, and I'll also say that, you know, Sean Cunningham uh, put out there that the team says that they love Harry and they still see him as part of the future. Um, and that's another possibility here is that 
maybe they just felt like $4 million is too big of a price tag that they think that they can get him back for less than that, um, which is, you know, honestly not crazy just because of how significant his injury issues have been. But especially considering that the Kings are unlikely to have cap space and keeping Harry would not have affected their luxury tax would not, you know, wouldn't have put them in the luxury tax wouldn't affect their exceptions that are available to them. They really made a decision here of they could lock Harry in or not. And they decided not to, and that's putting it much, much, much more likely that Harry Giles will not be a King next year. Yeah. And it does uh, help in a way with, Bogdan, uh, re-signing Bogdanovich in restricted free agency if he was to get a big deal. But like you said, they also could have worked out bringing both of them back because the price tag for Giles is not likely to be that high. And the market this year, uh, this offseason, upcoming offseason, is is very dry. There's not many teams with cap space and there's not that many guys left. So, And Bogdanovich isn't playing exceptionally well himself either. It's only No, five. he's not. Not at all. Um, I've made this pitch before. I think that that uh, four years, $51.4 million is not a bad deal. And if if Bogdanovich keeps struggling like this, I would take that deal. Yeah, understandably. Um, Yeah, man. I don't know. So what's your faith that – or what's the chance, you know, zero to 100, that this team – turns it around and looks competent. Like the the same thing that we've been saying that they got punched in the mouth. They're going to come back out and finally show that they want, that they really want to win a game for 48 minutes. I mean, how, how many times can you be punched in the mouth? I I don't know. I mean, like I know it's only been five games and it sounds like this team, the, the way that we're talking about it, it sounds like they're, you know, 10 and 50 heading into the last month and a half of the season, but they're the worst team in the NBA period. The new Orleans poor Pelicans are the only other winless team and their games have been close. Yeah, it's, it, it is absolutely as bad as it could have been in the first across the first five games. Um, so define the parameters of this question more clearly, because are you saying does it happen on Friday against the Jazz? Because I'll tell you, I don't have any faith in that. By the 10th game, that they look closer, at least three quarters, say three quarters of what we somewhat expected going into this year. Like they look like a 35 win team. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, fine. It, like, I, you know, I think that you can't be this bad for this long. Um, you just can't be like, it's just, I think it's a law of large numbers thing. Like, you know, five or 10 more games from now, the Kings will have a game where they look good. Um, And probably, you know, probably a few of them and probably one game that they look really good. Um, But in terms of how it's going to play out season long, you know, this isn't the team that we thought they were going to be. I don't think that at all. Do you, I mean, do you think this team wins 30 games? So you put that out there earlier. Um, Let's break that down for a second. There are 77 games left. In order to win 30 games, they're going to have to go, let's see here, 
30 and 47 the rest of the way. Man, this is not what I expected the fifth game of the season's podcast to be featuring. Uh, 30 games. I think they win 32. So you think this is a 32 and 40? 50. Yeah. So 32 and – but think, I think about there's right five games in the bank. Mark. There's five L's in the bank. So you right. think this is a, a 32 and 45. 45 team going forward? L. Uh, no, I guess that's a fair way to put it. <laughs> yeah, grim, like, when man. you put it that way, yeah. I don't know, man. I think they're going to be right around that 30 mark. Um, man, it's just hard to think that they don't show a nice little five, six-game stretch of looking like the team we expected them to. Yeah, no, I think they will. I think that every season has ups and downs, and – um yeah i think 30 30 is my new over under i think that you know maybe 31 so like a 31 and 46 team that they lose 15 Oof. more games than they win across the rest of the year Oof. yeah oh god man i'll go with i'll stick with my 32 yeah it's pretty grim so we're both down about 10 to 12 wins from what we were uh, a short 10 days ago, but feels like an eternity. <laughs> and let's talk about, I mean, stop me if I'm crossing boundaries here, but can we talk about the potential for roster moves to be made in terms of trades? Who are you looking at on this roster to move? Because yeah. it's not De'Aaron Fox and it's not Marvin Bagley. No, of course not. I, right. I'm just, I'm not, and I, this isn't even, I'm not saying that anyone should be traded, but I'm okay. saying like, can we talk about the possibility of the front office deciding that that's what needs to happen? I, yeah, I, I do think that, um, especially if this continues, which at this rate is probably what I'm expecting to happen. Um, hopefully not to the same extreme, but yeah, then you do need to make some moves because they're very locked in to this team right now. And you could get some, some assets that are looking a little bit more towards the future with some of the signings you got this off season. And even some of the somewhat older guys with like a buddy healed Bogdanovich. So I'll say this, there's virtually no chance that anyone is traded until December 12th because there's just no salary to match unless you are, you know, unless you are trying to move Darren Fox or Marvin Bagley, which would be insane. Um, there's no salary to match. You, you can't, even trade Barnes, you know, I mean, again, I think that would be ridiculous as well, right. but. And to clarify, that's because you can't trade your newly signed free agents. Exactly. So like all the, the, honestly, the most likely to be traded, um, you know, the pieces I feel like are the new guys, quite honestly. Um, I feel like if I'm putting money on it, uh, Corey Joseph, Trevor Reese and Dwayne Dedman. Dwayne Dedman are the most likely pieces to be traded. Phoenix uh, got Kelly Oubre for for Trevor Reese. Right. So there's we've seen that. Listen, these guys aren't going to want to play for a team that is playing like garbage anyway, and they could help good teams. I you know I I am way 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 in front of myself right now, but I'm just allow me. To speculate, this is none of this is reporting. I promise you, none of this is based on anything in reality. But 
like, you know, listen, it's, it's Halloween. Like let's have a seance here and discuss all the terrible things that could happen. Um, yeah. I mean, it, there's, there's nothing even, so even the guy that in terms of pieces of the core that would be most likely to be traded, which I do think is probably Bogdan Bogdanovich, you can't do anything with his money. Like say you want to go make that trade that everyone's been talking about for a long time. Bogey for Steven Adams. The Kings literally can't do that. They, they don't have the money to match. You can't even get there. You can't even add up enough pieces to get to the salary that Steven Adams would require in return in order to make that legal. So we're talking December 12th earliest. So that's what you got to hope if you're a Kings fan is that the Kings get this right in the next six weeks before the trade, uh, the ability to trade, you know, Ariza, Joseph, and Deadman opens up and um, more importantly, before the ability to match salary with Bodan Bodanovich outgoing for a bigger piece. Hey guys, just want to give you a quick reminder that if you like what you're listening to, we'd really appreciate a quick rating and review of the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're getting this podcast. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, we'd love to interact with you. We can take your questions, answer them on the podcast as well. That is at Kings underscore Pulse. We also got an Instagram, Kings underscore Pulse. And we are the official podcast of uh, Reddit r slash Kings. We got a sticky thread on there if you want to ask questions. So we really appreciate it. And, and thank you very much for listening. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Like, like you mentioned, the four biggest contracts on this roster are all the signings from this offseason. The Harrison Barnes extension, Dwayne Dedman's about $13.3 uh, and Ariza and Joseph are both sitting at $12 million. So those are, your, those are your matching salaries, and you have until that date where you're able to do any of that. So, um, yeah, these young guys... They're not happening in anything straight up. All right, so give me a likelihood, zero to 100% of a couple things here. First of all, likelihood that Luke Walton is fired this year. Oh, man. With just having signed him, um, man. I'll go this rough. Because Vlade signed him straight through his deal as well. So it's almost like Vlade's riding with him. It's more of, do I think it's a possibility rather than do I think he deserves it? Yeah, no, I'm not talking about deserve. I don't want to get right. into that. Right. I don't ever want to call for a person to lose their job or for a player to be traded. I think that's a little bit much for a podcast. But yeah, um, I'm just trying to project here in terms of what I we think, think could be reality. Yeah. I'll I'll say there's a 40% chance that Luke ends up keeping this job because I think 40% chance. Yeah. So 60% chance that he gets fired. 
Jesus, that's high. A 60% chance he gets fired this year? I mean, I was going to say like a 10% chance. At really? Most. I was at a yeah. 50, and then I was like, man, I don't know that like this needs to change. This is the same shit. This is the same guys we're looking at with Jaeger. Yeah, well, they fired Jaeger, so I mean, I guess you've got a point. Uh, they'll fire pretty much anybody. But yeah, I think in your first year with I actually don't know the salary figure. They the league does a good job of keeping coach salaries under wraps, but I imagine it's a lot of money. Uh and I know they're still paying Jaeger, right? He had another year on that deal. So, right. Like I could see an Igor situation where at the end of the year he's gone. Plays through yeah. this year. And he's done. I, I oh yeah. I think it's gotta be bad if for that to happen. I think it is. I think we are talking like a, you know, like a twenty and forty-five situation, uh, twenty and fifty, and let let Igor play out the last twelve games. But <laughs> it's gonna have to be bad for that to happen. I mean, Vlade has gone to bat for Walton so hard. I mean, I can't even. It, I it's hard for me to even fathom. So if I, I let's move on. Um, next probability here, zero to one hundred percent that Bogdan Bogdanovich is traded within this year. Oh, oh man, let's go with thirty thirty percent that he gets moved on from. I think that's a little high for me as well. Um, I'd probably go. I guess I mean I guess it's pretty bad. I'll, I'll go at twenty percent. Um, I believe in Bogey. I really like him as a player and as, as a human being. Um, but yeah, I mean he is he's out there. He's just like floating out there, like such an easy if, trade if target. It stays rough. Yeah, he's the he's the main asset. He I do for whatever reason my gut just tells me that like he would be the first guy on the chopping block, but. Um, Again, no reason to actually believe that. I just think it's circumstantial. And finally, zero to one hundred percent that the Kings, you know, that that they literally do get back to being the Kings we thought they were, and that this five games was just a complete outlier. Something was wrong. Something was really, really wrong. But by midseason, this is a distant memory, and they're just oh. who we thought they would be. I want to believe this so bad. But after five games of just horrific, horrific basketball, I'm gonna like I'm gonna go only like ten percent that that they get to the level that we expected them to be, say close to five hundred. Yeah, that's fair. I'll I'll take like fifteen percent. I mean, you know, five games is a small sample size. Something could just be like crazy, crazy, crazy off. I, but it it just feels like it just feels like, and it feels like a fixable thing in a way, right? I don't know. I this would be much more fixable if it were something schematic. This is like right. To me, this speaks to a symptom of a larger problem, and I don't know what that problem is, but it feels like pretty deep. In, in. 
pretty embedded. Something is like in these guys' head and minds. Right. It's, it's almost like they come out into the third. They know these third quarter issues and are almost expecting it in a way. It's like, I know the entire stadium, all the fans are. It's almost like they are the same way. So, like, could one really signature win start to turn this around? It's like they're – I mean, listen, we're recording on Halloween. It's all Hallow's Eve. It's like this team is fucking possessed. Like, something is, <laughs> like – they have been cursed. Like, something is wrong with them. Uh, Dwayne Dedman looks like he's never seen a basketball before in his life. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, I, I, that is the worst one. Where it's like, what is going on with this guy that was supposed to be the perfect fit? To be fair, next to Marvin Bagley. But, yeah, I, you're right. I, I don't know if this guy has a twin brother that we don't know of. And he's come <laughs> over or something. This is this is yeah. confusing. We've been, like, catfished on, like, a really weird, right. on, like, a, <laughs> on a really big level. Oh, God. Okay, do you have any final basketball things in here? Because we said it's Halloween. I want to get some candy takes from you, Rich. Uh, no, I, I have nothing further. I am I'm, I'm, I'm upset. I don't know what we're going to say on the next one if we see the same shit again. Yeah, no, I don't know. We'll just we'll, – uh, should we just uh, – how about we change it to Hornet's Pulse and we just, like, follow oh, the Hornets? God. Oh, God. No, it's going to become a draft watch very quickly. That's true. I'm actually kind of low-key hyped about this. <laughs> I've said it before. I get, like, really excited about bad basketball. And I know it's, like, I don't sound that excited. And I, it's more that it's the expectation, right? Like, I I think it's fun to watch the Hornets because they we knew they were going to be shitty, apparently. Um, and they are shitty. I'm sorry. Like, their team isn't good. Like, their team isn't good. Uh, and I think it's fun to watch bad basketball and, like, plan for the future and watch the young guys break out and think about the draft. It's not fun when you, like, thought you were going to maybe make the playoffs and then right. everything happens. So, yeah. So, I, I apologize. And I apologize for being such a bummer. But, yeah, no, I'm – listen, I'm fully, fully, fully on board to start talking about draft picks. Like, you know, one or two more L's and, yeah, we'll – Oh yeah, I'm there. I'm about to watch more college basketball than I have my whole life. Yeah, let me take a quick. Let's just take a quick spin in the draftathon, uh, tankathon here. Um, of course, Sacramento has the most lottery balls. Of course, uh, first tankathon, Sims lottery of the season. Let's see how we do. Oh, and they fell <laughs> four spots to number five. I, I did the I'm same thing. This. I did the same thing, and I have them at fifth as well. This is hilarious. no way. I got yeah. Charlotte number one that jumped <laughs> eleven spots. I Memphis jump jump seven. Wow, that is rough <laughs> stuff. Okay, so yeah, I mean, wow. Right, so, so away from that, <laughs> James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, Cole Anthony, and Lamelo Ball all off the board. That is truly grim. The Kings are gone with Denny Avigia. Yep, I got the same. From Maccabee Tel Aviv, international guy, of course. 2.5 points a game right now. Of course. Well, (laughs) if that's not a fucking sign, I don't know what is. Let's stop talking about basketball for guys. Okay, Rich, what is the best Halloween candy? Anything with poison in it. With poison? (laughs) That's what's yeah. going on this Halloween. Let me get like a. Let me get like a. I, listen, I, 
I'm a Kings fan. I'm trying to get one of those apples with the razor blades in it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the Snow White apple. Yeah, that'd be nice. Do you like candy corn? Because you had this stupid candy corn pizza picture. That <laughs> I like candy corn pizza. I like bad pizzas. I'll, I'll tweet out a big thread <laughs> of them tonight. In, in uh, no, I uh, no, I don't like candy corn. No, like not at all. Is it terrible? Because like that's yeah. most people think. Okay, of course it is. Okay, I think it's decent. Why? You, I, you, but like in like relative to what are you like what? No, what, like I I will I would buy a bag of candy corn and eat it. If it's the only thing at the store, or like, are you name no. like one legitimate candy that you are passing up for candy corn? Um, that I'm passing up. Oh, like, like everybody like, loves Snickers. Gonna, I'll pass Snickers. For you're sure. gonna pass. I literally, I was gonna say Snickers. You're gonna pass on a Snickers. Snickers seem bar to for- be like everybody's number one. I don't like Snickers. I don't like chocolate very much. I'm not it- saying. I'm not saying Snickers is like super elite, but it's better than fucking candy corn. I mean, can- Snickers is like solid. Very, no, very, I can very do solid. like I, I can do like a bag of candy corn or two. It definitely becomes too much very quickly because But like two bags. Like not until you get two bags. <laughs> How big are these bags? No, no, no. I'm talking small bags. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> I've never seen a small bag of candy corn in my life. They sell them like at Walgreens and they're oh well then eight like pounds each. maybe like a quarter of one of those bags. So two pounds only. That's your <laughs> limit. Sure. For candy corn. Sure. Sure. I just am I saw Bryant West getting getting a lot of crap for standing up for candy corn today. And I'm standing with him on this one. I enjoy candy corn in a limited in a limited amount. No thank you. What about the Stockton Kings put out someone asking if they prefer a bunch of their players, if they prefer candy corn or black licorice? Oof. Um, I'll go. I, I feel sick to my stomach right you now. You both of them. You don't like black so, licorice, I take it? it? It's the Kings thing. By the way, so on Sunday, I, we didn't end up recording Sunday night uh, because of a scheduling conflict. But that day, I had been to a wedding the night before. And I I didn't have time to watch the game live that night, so then I watched it on Sunday afternoon. The Utah and game, right? Yeah, the really, really, really bad one. Oh, the I know. Were absolutely destroyed. Yeah, you were. Yeah. Uh, and for whatever reason, like when I when I sat down to watch that game, I had just been out with my wife, and I we stopped at Wiener Schnitzel for some reason. And I, I mean, I listen, it was, I decided I wanted to stop at Wiener Schnitzel. I don't, I don't know why I'm making excuses. I was like, let me hit up this Wiener Schnitzel real quick. And I, I like ate a bunch of Wiener Schnitzel while watching this game. And I have never felt more ill in my life. Just like eating like really low quality, like chili cheese dogs oh, and yeah. watching the Kings get smacked. <laughs> I don't know what was worse, but I was feel like I had a rough day. Yeah, the bad games from the Kings sent you to Wiener Schnitzel. Yeah, I couldn't tell what was making me more nauseous, but it's right. bad. You know, the pretzel dogs from Wiener Schnitzels are all right. She told me to get the pretzel dogs, and I didn't listen. No, those are, those are okay. Those are okay. I like the mini corn dog bites. Okay, okay. Ugh. All right, so final thing. What is, what is the top tier candy or maybe say two or three of them? It's Reese's. That's that's a good one. It's I, I it's like Reese's. Them. Reese's. So here here it is, and I'll go beyond Halloween here 
here are the, all the snacks you ever need in your life. <laughs> it's Reese's, Sour Patch Kids. Yes, that's a good one. Flaming Hot Cheetos and Arizona Iced Tea. Call okay. it a day. Okay. Yeah, I can get with the Arizona Iced Tea and the Sour Patch Kids. I don't like Flaming Hot Cheetos. I don't like Cheetos very much in general. Um, I... My candy, my other candy, rather than the Reese's, is going to be Skittles. I do really like Skittles. That's fine. I like the sour Skittles. Yeah, sour is good. Um, and then I guess since you put a chip in there of a sort, I will go with my my go to chip is the Blue Ranch Doritos. The the cool ranch, the, the blue the cool, cool ranch. Yeah, the cool ranch, cool ranch. They should just call us Blue Ranch. No, those are great. That's that's solid. I uh, but you do like do you like spicy stuff? Um, not snacks. Like, what about like a nice, really spicy, like a curry or a pad thai, something like that? I can, yeah, I can do that. That sounds good to me, especially like some spicy Mexican food. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Camarones a la Diablo. That's my jam right there. Get that spicy shrimp in my belly. There you go. Anyway, I don't know why I've like made this about (laughs) non-Halloween foods, but I don't really, I'm not into Halloween. I'm not going out tonight. I'm chilling. I'm feeling sick to my stomach at home. Full of wiener schnitzel. That's how I do. There you go. Halloween's for extroverts, <laughs> and I, I'm not one of those. No, I'm just talking to a microphone at home. Yes, sir. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this Halloween episode of the King's Pulse podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening, and uh, we hope things start to get a little better for Sacramento.